Welcome, guys, to another beautiful episode of the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Peter Fendero and myself, Matt Slarchik. This is a COVID update, and we're going to tackle things about vitamin C, talk about the whoop band a little bit, right? Maybe let's do some vitamin D, different therapies we're doing, stories, and as you know, some humor. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm looking good, Matthew. According to my whoop band here, my recovery is at like 60%, but I can tell you I feel like a solid, probably like a solid 75%. I did a little bit of drinking yesterday, uh, but the main issue, why well, for you guys that have not heard the Whoop Band, Whoop Band basically tra- tracks your heart rate availability, tells you how much sugar you take on during the day, how much calories you burn, how active you are, but also tracks your sleep. It tracks your disturbances, your sleep performance, and it kind of gives you uh, this number that's called your recovery, depending on, on how well you slept, based on your, your sleep, not only your sleep, but also how much strain you took on the day before. So for me, unfortunately, my average, my average awakenings at night or disturbances, I get about six. Last night, I got about 23. So for some reason, I was woken up three times every hour, basically, and due to my AC unit, it's loud, but it's whatever. Like, I feel good for the most part, where according to our whoop band, I should definitely take it easy, easy today. And, you know, on vacation, so I'll probably take it easy any other day. But I also am pretty athletic, even though I'm on vacation. I run about three miles each day, and I try to hit the bars so like outside gym area before we get kicked out. So I try to do a cycle or two, but we've been successful these last couple of days. The cops have been on our trail. So um, yeah, I got to stop buying donuts or something, I guess. But how has your recovery been, Matthew? There you go. And for those, for those that don't know, we're wearing different colorful shirts. It's because Peter's on vacation. He's in Fort Lauderdale. And we decided to switch it up a little bit today. So he's wearing a beautiful flamingo shirt there. And um, I actually relocated, just to let you guys know. So that's been a pain in the ass, but... I'm staying in the same hospital, but I'm extending my contract by a month. So my lease was up. And from Venice, I relocated to another neighborhood here. I'm behind a little guest house. Pretty cool. So if you guys want to check that out, it's on my Instagram page. I'll be posting some stuff about my morning routines and things like that. But my whoop bad recovery is actually really damn good. I This weekend, I was kind of kicking it back and relaxing. I'm at 93% recovery. I honestly feel like a million bucks. Today is Monday. This episode will be out tomorrow, but... I'm ready to take on my damn day. I'm going to be productive, and the whoop band does not lie to the way I feel. There you go. We're also giving you guys $30 off. You guys subscribe to our link, so we'll post that link as well. So, that's yeah, that's, I'll hop on an affiliate stats. code, right? Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we partnered like, up with them, guys, to help us out. Yeah. If you guys, it's really cool. And they can join our team, too. We have a little team, me and Matt, kind of keep each other, um, keep each accountable. other accountable. With our other, other buddy, Conrad, we have our own little group that we all have the whoop band, and we all track each other. And we're all we're all pretty fit, I believe so. All right, guys. So on to the COVID. So stat-wise, U.S. cases at about 1.5 million now, at about 90,000 deaths. State-wise, New York is still leading at about 30,000 deaths. New Jersey second place at about 10,000 deaths. And we got Illinois a little over 4,000 deaths. And Massachusetts is about a little higher than 5,000 deaths currently. So still the same states that basically we've been seeing on the news are the ones that are being hit the heaviest. And yeah, COVID is, COVID-19 is still relevant, still statistically, statistically significant, and we're going to keep doing our best to fight it from a medical and nursing standpoint. Definitely, man. It's kind of interesting because Illinois is creeping up there in the top three, right? It's actually, it surpassed California. So California did a very great job at um, flattening its curve, right? But supposedly there is some little insider info, Little Bird once told me, that supposedly our governor in Illinois is kind of 
being lazy at what he does, but it's also helping the state pay off its debt with all the COVID cases and extra money the federal government's getting. And uh, I was looking at Trump's press conference and he was talking shit about the governor. He's like, oh, he's, he's, he's not doing a good job, basically. So it's interesting how Trump doesn't like him, actually. And it seems like he's not really taking care of what he is supposed to. Yeah, like it's double-edged short. Like short-term-wise, yeah, you can pay off the debt, but then you take into com- uh, consideration all the small stores that are being closed that can't make money. And these stores have small margin of, of profit. So they depend on being open every day from you know 7 o'clock to 7 p.m. They, they revolve around. That's where they get their money. They're not these giant stores like, like Walmart or Target, which is still kind of funny how they're allowed to be open because they're considered like a necessary store. But these mom and pop shops that sell basically the same goods as Walmart does, but on a smaller scale, they're being prevented from opening because of COVID-19. This doesn't make sense. And you get a lot more, a lot more feet into stores like Walmart compared to mom and pop shops. So if you're going to catch COVID, you're mostly going to catch it at like a Target or a Walmart or, or a Jewel or a big, big box store compared to the little mom and pop shops that don't necessarily have a lot of foot action there, which is kind of backwards almost. And, and you know, like, you're going to pay off the debt now, but you're also going to build on that because guess what? These stores are going to go bankrupt. They're going to need to file for loans. And if these, these stores don't open up soon, guess what? They're going to close down. And that, that whatever debt they have is going to go back on the state. Exactly, man. And I talked about it like the previous episode, man. I think this is okay, you know, to keep us shelter in place and things like that. But it's taking, it's taking a hit on the economy, but it's also taking a hit on small businesses, just like we mentioned and we should we should support small businesses because everything's going to go into these bigger corporations. As you see now, their stocks are increasing. I mean, I'm investing money in stocks because everything's growing. You know, kudos to that. But it's ruining small businesses, man. And we're going to become more of a capitalistic um, society. And we're trying to stem away from that as much as possible. But you know, we're we're becoming dependent on big big corporations, and now we're going to become dependent on the government, which is never a good thing because of COVID. So. Scary times, man. Of course, always something scary going on every damn time. And All just time. and just like we mentioned, you know, like um, like TV commercials, right? It's like there's no TV commercial that's telling you, hey, we should eat healthy, get some sleep, and take your vitamins. You know, there's no profit margins in that, and we're not seeing it in television. There's no television commercial on how to boost your immune system. It's take this pill because it works. And that's the messed up, messed up part that we talked about previously about profit margins, right? And how, you know, that has a huge play into what's good and what's right in society to do. Yeah, that's right. So hop into vitamin C. So as you guys know, vitamin C, or if you, or you don't know, you know, we're here to educate you. Vitamin C is a big player in our immune function. It's a water-soluble vitamin. We get it from a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables have vitamin C. But vitamin C participates in immune function, wound healing, uh, fed and acid metabolism, neurotransmitter production, and blood vessel formation. It works in those pathways, but the main benefit of vitamin C and its immune function or its immune health, it stimulates the production of white blood cells, especially neutrophils, um, lymphocytes, and, and phagocytes, and also promotes normal cell functions internally. And like, like Matt said, there's not a lot of hype about vitamin C because it's naturally occurring and you can't really put a patent on it and you can't really you know, sell it for profit because there's external ways to get it. You don't have to synthesize it necessarily. You, you could just eat a vegetable, eat a fruit, and you get vitamin C and C that way. So you don't really hear a lot of it. But there's been a few studies that have been shown to, that a few studies have been done to show the benefit of vitamin C, like with sepsis, different 
uh, infections. Um, I know Dr. Rhonda Patrick has a few resources on her website regarding like um, vitamin C therapies, IV vitamin C, oral vitamin C. And she has like a few graphs regarding the bell curves on how vitamin C is used and at this duration it lasts like in your body because oral vitamin C lasts longer than IV vitamin C, but IV vitamin C is, is more potent than, than oral. That's why it's used more for therapies compared to just, just oral vitamin C. Yeah, I think the one I've seen used in the hospital was, was 1,000 milligrams every eight hours. And it was from a doctor from like a Pennsylvania or something. I think when I was working back in Chicago and we were doing this IV therapy for this guy, mm-hmm. um, they reached out to a doctor from like Pennsylvania or something and he gave them the protocol on how to do things. And it's interesting because during these COVID cases, I'm not seeing any vitamin C therapy being done. Um, we're all, we're just testing these pharmaceutical drugs, which is, um, you know, inhibiting interleukin. And I don't think you mentioned, did you mention that vitamin C actually produces interferons? I don't know. Okay. It yeah. It's, it's one of those protein that participates in antiviral activity and we're seeing interlu- interferon like, um, cytokine storms, right? When it's one of the proteins that are, it's affecting that. So vitamin C is actually antioxidant that's helping with that and making us more efficient in fighting off a viral infection. So why not try it? I don't know, but just like we mentioned, there's not a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of money to be made from creating a drug that probably does the same thing as vitamin C, right? But they want a pharmaceutical mechanism and therefore it's going to create more money. So that's like my thing there, man. But I had a patient in the hospital that he was on an alcoholic and he was going through ETOH, ended up getting bad pneumonia, bad sepsis, because you know, from the paracentesis, usually when they tap them. And he was prone to heavy pressers. And that's the guy that we started the um, vitamin C on him, man. And he, he recovered, man. He made a speedy recovery after I don't know how many days. We're like, whoa, man. It took him four or five days being prone. But this guy completely recovered. So it's very, very impressive therapies that I see in vitamin C. So I wonder yeah, if we could start using them for... Um, yeah, you never know. Hopefully, people are doing studies on this. I'm sure there are people out doing studies on vitamin C therapy and COVID-19 and it might not be as in a public eye as other therapies but we talked about interferon I read an article today when I woke up so I was just doing some research on, on vitamin C and there's a few studies out there that show that vitamin C helps with interferon and actually helps with the influenza virus and we know that remdesivir is an antiviral and vitamin C helps produce interferon which is like an antiviral as well if you think about it so maybe some kind of combination could be done with vitamin C and different antivirals that might eventually help fight COVID-19. COVID but uh, a lot of things that we do for the flu, we're also doing for COVID-19, has been shown to, to have uh, similar benefits, some medications, some, some therapies. So uh, as time goes on, hopefully vitamin C becomes more in the public eye and we get a little further with that. We've been, as you guys heard, like me and Mads, we've been big proponents of vitamin C. Like we talk about multiple times, Mag used to make liposomal vitamin C. And like vitamin C has... It's not talked about as often or as freely as like it should be. Just because me and I talked about this before the episode started or before we dived into the episode, it's because there's no profit margins for vitamin C, or if there is, they're very little because vitamin C is available to us in multiple forms. Like it's not synthesized. You get vitamin C, you know, through fruits, through through, through diet, unlike these other drugs, pharmaceuticals, where you have to synthesize it, and the only way you can get it is through that company. There's no vitamin C patent. There could be a patent for for a like a vitamin C cocktail or like a different structure of vitamin C that you have to synthesize. Like you could make your own vitamin, like put some vitamin C and patent that and make it your own. But 
doesn't necessarily mean to be better than a regular vitamin C that you get at the store or through orange juice or through different kind of fruits and vegetables. And that lack of profit margin is basically what keeps it low key, I guess you could say, because no one's able to make money off it. So no one's going to be a proponent for it. Only person that can be a proponent for it is somebody that's either one has no financial benefit in mind or one is doing research. And like we heard on Joe Rogan with the Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she talks a lot about vitamin C benefits of it. If you go on her website, I forgot what's it called, my fitness something or something like that. But if you Google Dr. Rhonda Patrick, her website is a first link there. And she literally has a bunch of studies on vitamin C, vitamin C, like Epstein-Var virus, vitamin C and different sepsis even, and different kind of illnesses that vitamin C has been shown to, to benefit. And yeah. she even has, like, that's why with the whole vitamin C, IV vitamin C, it's, it's more potent. It makes it more bioavailable. But the half-life of IV, IV vitamin C is actually a lot shorter than oral vitamin C. So you would need to administer more doses of, of IV vitamin C uh, to get, or throughout like, the day to hit, hit, your, hit your numbers. But the, the fact that it's so more potent, much more valuable, is why it's beneficial in different illnesses. Because you can't consume that much vitamin C as you would get through IV. Because it would take you know, a lot of vitamin C for you to consume that yeah. much. Basically, basically what they do is they do studies and they check what's the bioavailability of this vitamin C circulating, like in your um in your blood. Plasma, and you yeah. can reach yeah, in your plasma, you could reach higher levels with IV than compared to oral. You can't reach those levels. So there's a lot more healing benefits, you know, especially for those patients that are dying and need this boost, you know. And you you hear about it, vitamin C, you know, um, it helps with the defense mechanisms, it helps with um with um, antioxidant, antioxidants, so actually boost that, which we know it helps with, you know, preventing cell damage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, uh, beneficial for all the white blood cells, like neutrophils, lymphocytes, and all that. Um, and actually, vitamin C, which I'm reading here, pr- promotes the production of interferons. And as we know, in COVID, that's the whole cascade, right? That's um, creating that cytokine storm is from interferons. Yeah. And a lot of these drugs that are being produced right now and tested, they're actually inhibiting the mechanism interferon. So what if it's just a simple lack of vitamin C, you know? But we won't know that because that's not something we'll test because there's no money behind it, just like you mentioned, profit margins. And those people that watch TV, when was the last time did you see a TV commercial that that tells you, hey guys, you should boost your immune system by getting enough sleep, exercising, and drinking water. Hell no, we don't see commercials like that. Why don't you take this pill because they'll do this? Like that's that 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 should be the red flag of hey, how come there's no commercials like this? Because they ain't gonna sell, you know, ain't you ain't gonna make them shit, and therefore that's why there is no commercials like that. So right. just be no just one's be gonna make money about that. Yeah, no one's gonna make money telling you to work out. They might tell you to work out, but they'll be like, yeah, buy my program because my program's gonna be the best. And that way, they'll try to work out. Like, yeah, you should work out, but let me provide the best workout routine for you and then buy this workout plan. Like, there's things like that. But the thing is, if, you're, if you don't work out frequently and you buy a workout plan, you're going to see these drastic results. Yeah, because your ass hasn't been working out in the last two years. You could do anything and you're going to see drastic results. You know, you could, you, you could cut out just bread by itself and you're going to see drastic results. You could go on a jog one mile a day and you're going to see drastic results in the first 30, 30 days. You know, so it's like, like people, only time people have an attention mind mind is usually when they try to sell you something, which which kind of sucks. But this is the world we live in, and for you to get information without somebody on the other end trying to sell you something, that requires you to do a little bit more effort. Yeah, 
You know, like it's easier for somebody to say, hey, buy this workout guide compared to you going on Google Scholar or going on the internet and looking up how running benefits me, like how running, how running builds muscle or how weightlifting builds, builds muscle. Because that'll tell you all the answers. It'll, 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 it literally tells you how your muscle is built by you weightlifting. But that takes a lot of time on your end. You got to read those articles. You got to understand different terminology compared to some guy telling you, hey, this is how you build muscle and you're going to build muscle the best by doing my program. Because I've done all the research, so let me tell you what you should know kind of thing. Yep. And that's how it works with us too is like we're filtering through this and we're delivering you guys this information as best as we can, right? Yeah. And that's another, that's another thing we face too is, um, you know, we're, we're reading research studies, but sometimes these research studies have a bias as well, right? It depends who funds them. And, you know, just like you watch these Netflix documentaries, like what the health that we've seen before. If you have a scientist that's saying, hey, eating, you know, um, meat is not causing cancer, let's just say, well, who's funding it? If it's the meat industry funding the damn study, guys, they're not, they're, there's going to be a bias. They're not going to say meat is bad, you know? So you also have to look at, you know, the research study and see who's funding it and what's their agenda and things like that. It's, it it's, a, mess. Say, it's a mess, right? Man. It doesn't say like funded by Kellogg cereal. Breakfast cereal is healthy for you. No, it's going to say author is this guy's name, this guy's name, this guy's name, which also further makes you do more research with. I rarely look up the author of the study. Unless it sounds fishy to me. Then I look up the author, but that's, that's like rarely that happens. Yeah. And then there's also issues because these giant corporations, they, they umbrella down into little organizations and these little organizations, which you probably never heard of as funding the damn money. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to win the presidency, you know, people are not going to believe your name. If you have different corporations that support you and you technically own them, you're able to persuade people a lot easier. And that's how it works, you know? But anyways, <laughs> are we done here? Are we talking about vitamin D well, now? Real quick, because I was... Yeah, I mean, go ahead. The daily recommended dose of vitamin C is 2,000 milligrams. Um, I think the World Health Organization or the FDA has a little bit less, but you got to realize that vitamin C is water-soluble, so you're going to pee out whatever you don't use. That's why high doses of, of IV, there isn't really a lot of danger with these higher concentrations because whatever your body doesn't use, it's just going to pee out. So it's, it's not really that big of an issue. But when you're talking about the interferon, um, when I woke up this morning, I was reading up on vitamin C and there's some study that I, that I found. I had the link. I didn't fully read it because you had to pay for it. So I mean, read like the abstract and whatever information provided, but it just showed that vitamin C actually benefited uh, through interferon fighting influenza. And you know how everyone's re related in COVID to influenza, like remdesivir is, you know, it's an antiviral, but it also works on COVID, you know, so maybe things that work on the flu might also eventually work on, you know, COVID-19. But yeah, we can touch on vitamin, vitamin D now. Well, yes, just last, last thing to wrap up is when I was doing this liposome of vitamin C, meaning me, myself, I bought an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner. I, I don't know if I touched about this before in the podcast episode, but now you're listening sure, yeah. to it. Uh, water, a little bit of vodka because it helps with um, something with the chemical processes. The taste. There we go. Taste. Soy lecithin and vitamin C. You, pull, you put it, you mix it up, let it settle. And when you use an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner, it binds into the... Um, the vitamin C and it makes it a capsule, which is cool. Makes it more bioavailable. And you're talking about the flu. When I got sick, I used to mega dose, meaning I probably took like 10,000 10, milligrams daily recommended. Don't, don't be taking this much and then saying, Matt, Matt said it, it's safe. No, consult with your primary physician here. But I took a mega doses like this. I had no diarrhea because that's the side effect usually. And I got, I recovered pretty quick from the, that flu when I had it that year. So yeah. it's interesting, man. I don't have studies and, 
you know, blood results of how fast I improve, but I know for a fact vitamin C does do something. Yeah, and maybe like 10,000 for some people might give them diarrhea, might give them bloating or cramps or whatever associated with vitamin C, but maybe you just were a little bit more deficient on vitamin C that day, and that's why you didn't get those, get those effects. Like you never know, like Matt said, consult your primary care physician because we're no doctors and we're not licensed to give you any kind of medical device. We're just nurses that know some shit about some shit, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Plus, we're protecting ourselves here, you know? Yeah. We should get some co- disclaimer copyright there, but... Yeah. Don't try to stay home, kids. Yeah, don't try to right, Vitamin D. Vitamin D, guys. So vitamin D associated with a lot of things. The recommended dose is like 400 to 800 IU, which is like 10 to 20 milligrams or, or micrograms a, a day. Um, I haven't looked into how much we get through diet or anything, but majority of it we get through sunlight. Um, and that's basically if you're out, outside for a few hours a day, you usually get the recommended dose of vitamin D. You, we don't synthesize vitamin D. Some animals do produce vitamin D in their body. We don't. So we need to get it from an external source. And it's fat-soluble. I'm not sure what the exact number is for you to overdose on it, but it's a very, very high dose. So don't be scared to, to you know, consume foods that are rich in vitamin D. And most of those foods are like dark leafy greens. I'm pretty sure they're high in vitamin D. All of the bright colors. A lot of the, the bright color food, fruits and vegetables, they're high in vitamin C and vitamin D because it kind of gives them the, the bright colors. But vitamin D is responsible for a lot of things. But like the main thing we're going to talk about here is, is uh, the benefits of immune, brain, and nervous system health. So basically, what I learned about vitamin D because I don't know, didn't really do a lot of research on it. Like back in the day, I did a little bit more today. What vitamin D actually helps with is it actually helps with like, so when our white blood cells attack other pathogens, other organisms, they release toxic chemicals, especially like our natural killer cells, the, the white blood cells that target kind of, they release a generalized toxin to attack the pathogen, not the really specific ones, but like the general ones, like natural T killer cells and things, things like that. But what we forget is those toxins are also harmful to the white blood cells themselves and other cells around them. So what vitamin D kind of does, um, our body changes into like the active form of vitamin D, and this actually per- protects our cells from that, that toxin. So that toxin that our white blood cells release to kill the pathogens or viruses actually does damage to our white blood cells, and vitamin D helps protect our white blood cells from, from that toxin. Because just like war... Your body's in war, just like war. You do suffer some casualties, like you know, back in the day with like the the, the, the napalm gas or whatever Viet, Vietnam. Like a lot of times, those gases were accidentally dropped on our troops, so our troops basically burned alive. Agent Orange. Agent well, Orange. That was a chemical. Yeah. Yeah. So or Agent Orange and Napalm, those were the casualties. Yeah, they took out enemy troops, but they also took out our own troops, and that was kind of the the sacrifice for war. And that's kind of how our body does it too. Our sacrifice ourselves. So it's not on purpose, but accidentally just because of all this toxin floating around. Yeah. So like, and we're going to, we're going to circle back. So basically, basically the big picture we're going to talk about right now is vitamin D's role. And then we're going to look at the demographics and it's going to be interesting what we kind of found out, you know, doing all this research, but just looking at things, just like you mentioned the vitamin D, one of the two things, which is super important to the immune system is for one, right? It auto regulates and increases our susceptibility of infections. It basically makes the immune system fight more efficiently. And one of them is even supports lung function, right? Decreasing the vitamin D deficiency shows a deficit in lung function. And that's a huge thing that we're seeing right now with COVID as a decrease in, you know, lung function. So I wonder, you know, it can't be just one thing, just like we say correlations, maybe it could be zinc, maybe it could be vitamin C, right? Correlation doesn't always mean causation, but 
exactly exactly but there's a good chance that in theory here we're saying that maybe we should start looking at vitamin d and covid because it is showing a lot of um hallmark or signs of um proper immune system even you know there are studies that shows high levels of vitamin d actually reduces inflammatory bowel disease just like crohn's disease it's it's symptoms right so if it's a if vitamin D has an anti-inflammatory component and it helps with the diversity of the gut microbe, wow, where's 80% of the immune system in the gut? So why not take a vitamin D supplement? And I think from the podcast episode, right, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she takes up to 5,000 IUs of vitamin D. Or was it 10,000? I'm not sure what that is, but okay. I, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's probably, if you guys go on our website, you can find that out. But I wonder, since you brought up lung function, I wonder if vitamin D has anything to do with like surfactant in our lungs and alveoli. Something like, no, that came to my head. I looked that up afterwards. But yeah, Rhonda Patrick is a giant proponent of vitamin D, vitamin C. And even like there's, she has, if you go on her website, she has like a topics tab and there's so much in there. There's like creatine, there's NAD, which is supposed to help with like, aging and genetics and like oxidative stress, uh, things like that. I know vitamin D and I think vitamin C, they help with like the redox effect where you know how we get cancer and stuff because of free radicals. So they decrease free radicals and that's how vitamin D and vitamin C are linked to like a decrease in cancer because they help help like stabilize these free radicals which cause cancer. Yeah, so I'm looking at a quick study here. And this is from Chicago, actually, right? And it's linking vitamin D deficiency in high-risk COVID patients, right? And it's saying in Chicago, more than half the COVID-19 cases and around 70% of the deaths were observed in African-Americans who are at, the great, at, our, at a greater risk of vitamin D deficiency. Mm-hmm. And this is perfect because we're going to bridge into the, the next topic of what we kind of you know, have here. I wonder if like how the length of hospital stay affects your vitamin D levels because our patients don't go outside, especially in ICU. You're right. You know? Like I and wonder that, how that correlates, man. And then, you know, they have, de- you know, then they get pneumonia, decreased lung function. It's, it's interesting, man. Things that you don't think about, you know, yeah. and it'd be cool to have studies. This is why we need to hire a doctor that just could do studies for us, man, because we technically don't have the light practicing license for it, but we, we have the brain for it. We could think about shit, but we just don't have, in the world, we can't do things because we don't have a license to practice. Or we could fund our own research. Can we fund our own re- We could probably fund our own research. Oh, we need some capital. Maybe if, if you guys subscribe to our Patreon, we'll get enough capital to fund our own research studies. And you guys can be our research subjects too. <laughs> hey, hey, the listeners, we'll give you guys a dose of vitamin C today. Let us know how you feel tomorrow. <laughs> um, but, com- but coming back, so the la- latest available data right now from COVID mortality rates, uh, this is an interesting... Um, statistic when it comes to vitamin D. So we'll t- we'll talk about the demographics first. So the mortality rate of an African American is 2.2 times higher than the Latino, and 2.3 times higher for, right for the Asians, and an African American is 2.6 times at a higher rate of death compared to whites. So for some reason, there's a high correlation between. Um, African-Americans and COVID. And as you know, because African-Americans have higher pigmented skin, they're also more deficient and more susceptible to vitamin D deficiency, correct? I don't know if it's showing what parts of the country are being more affected, but it's directly correlating here with um, 
African-Americans have vitamin D deficiency. You know, this is just a theory, but it, it could be a great indicator of it. Yeah, and it's crazy how to think about because the African-Americans are more likely to have cardiovascular disease, more likely to have obesity, and now we throw in vitamin D deficiency, and those like are the key comorbidities with or that result in a COVID-19 death. So that's like a scary thing to think about. And yeah, with the whole vitamin D, African-Americans, their skin is made to like survive like a lot of sun rays. Like here in Florida, they're, they're probably less vitamin D deficient than in the Midwest because Midwest, especially Chicago, I feel like eight months out of the year, you can't go outside because it's either freezing or it's snowing or it's raining. You know, so that, that makes sense compared to us white people. Like our, we're, like we're, we're white, so our skin's able to absorb the, the sun a little bit a little bit more. So we're not going to suffer as much vitamin D deficiency in the Midwest as African-American people because, because their, their genetics are made to make the sun, I guess you could say, more tolerable and the rays less effective on, on them because that's why they're, they have darker skin, they're pigmented more, yeah, like which, which, so is, which is good in Africa or like Caribbeans or countries that have a lot of sun because that benefits them, but not here in the Midwest where, like I said, eight months out of year, you can't leave your damn home. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It'd be cool seeing like a study where you take a person that's in Africa and check their vitamin D levels and then let them live in Finland for six months and then track their, you know, all their what's called vital signs and blood results and see what the serum vitamin D level was and things like that to, to actually, I'm sure there is, we just have to do our research or there's a huge, strong correlation, you know, and it's interesting because we have a lot of African-Americans and darker skinned people in our hospital as well. Mm. And I wonder if there's a correlation. I don't think they checked the vitamin D levels. When I get back to the hospital, I'm actually gonna ask the one of the ICU docs, like, hey, doc, just for fun, you know, I'll send you a, you know, an article that we found. What if you check a vitamin D level? Mm. It'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be interesting, man. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Like right now, um, the biggest thing we track are all the inflammatory markers, right? So we do interleukin, we're checking um, CK, we're checking um, iron levels, and we're checking, I think, LDL, which is all signs of inflammation. Mm. And they're kind of tracking its progress and seeing how it's getting better. Yeah, I should check. I don't have my binder here with me, but I have the whole protocol. But this was a protocol back in, back in March, so I'm sure things have changed. But Because I haven't been on a COVID unit uh, in, in, a, in a minute, but the last time I was there, they were giving zinc supplements and they were giving um, vitamin D supplementations. But I'm not sure how they test vitamin D deficiency. Maybe they test it upon, upon a positive COVID sample. Maybe they will test it because there's different tests they do. So they do a test, different labs on admission. Then they do different labs when they're COVID positive, And then they do different daily labs because they don't got to repeat certain labs every day. So I have to check back up on how, how that's changed. But we have been giving zinc and we have been giving vitamin D from the, from the beginning, even when we were given hydroxychloroquine, which is now... Um, not really looked upon as this miracle drug that we thought it would be now is more from Denisvir that, that, get, that gets passed around. But hydroxy, um, hydroxychloroquine is still used in some places. Like there's no reason not to use it if you, could, if you see that it's effective on your population. You know, it's not gonna be effective on everybody, but if it's working in your facility, your hospital, like you don't gotta stop using it. Exactly. And I think the last thing, which is kind of creepy, are we done with vitamin D? Yeah. So I, we had a patient in the, uh, in the intent, uh, I see you. And it was interesting because she was only 30 years old, guys. Like these patients are young. Like we think that the 60, 80 year olds are being affected. We have patients that I come under 30s for some reason. They're not getting better. Uh, one of them, and let me just paint the picture because we're, we're figuring out so much of what's COVID actually doing to our body. And 
she was intubated. So she was getting 100% oxygen through the ventilator. She was on ECMO, meaning she was getting, uh, the machine was taking blood out of her body and it was shooting oxygen into her blood and filtering it. Usually they do that for bypass and open hearts. And it was pouring oxygen back into her body. For some reason, her oxygen saturation level, meaning the amount of oxygen in her red blood cells was only 64%, 66. They did a bronch, chest x-ray. Everything is normal. Nothing is, there's no mucus plug. Why isn't she saturating? You know, we did gases on her. Gas looks like shit, right? How come her PO2 is like 400, meaning she has a shitload of oxygen in her blood? But the problem is, is the hemoglobin is not getting the oxygen. Why, why aren't the red blood cells taking in the oxygen that's circulating in the blood for no reason, right? Because a normal PO2 is 80 to 100, and it's 400. So she's a way above norm. We're dumping all the oxygen we can, and there's no oxygenation happening. So this is a theory that was proposed, and I, and I showed the, the article to the intensivist because we're trying to figure out what's going on because I was, I was a, a break nurse, you know? So I had this patient for one hour and she was just wasn't getting better. And I'm curious to see what happened when I come back to the hospital. So anyways, we're thinking that COVID is not only a, a respiratory disease, but it's also hematologic. And they think that COVID is attacking the beta one chains of beta one chains of hemoglobin. So when you look at a red blood cell, it has like a hexagon, right? Or whatever the structure is. And it has something called um, porpirin. And porpirin, which helps iron actually bind to oxygen. So don't quote me on this. I don't know exact mechanism. And he was laughing when he was reading this article. He's like, shit, I wish I remembered my like, you know, class he was mentioning because, you know, you, you only can remember so much. So this mechanism actually helps deoxygen, deoxygenated blood, the iron attach to a hemoglobin molecule or oxygen and carry it to where it should be. So for some reason, we have a bunch of deoxygenated hemoglobin circulating around and COVID is preventing the carry capacity of oxygen. And, it, you know, so like what, how is this doing this? You know, it's such a nasty disease and we haven't figured it out, but they're thinking that it's inhibiting this, um, this mechanism. So yeah. essentially your, your own body is just drowning itself from the lack of oxygen. And that's what we're seeing in this lady. We couldn't figure out why. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you, like you said, like you have enough oxygen circulating. It just something, some mechanism is being blocked, and it's either an issue with transportation or it has an issue with like recognition. Like either your body does not see all its oxygen floating around, or it can't grasp all its oxygen floating around. And it's it's above my pay grade to un understand how that works or or figure to figure that out. But it's crazy thing about like like it's crazy how you have it's available. It's available to the body. It's like you're you having like a food tray come around, and there's food everywhere, and you're hungry, but you just can't pick it up. Yeah, it's crazy. It, that, that's exactly what's happening. It's a perfect way to explain it. You're hungry, but you have no arms to grab the damn thing. Mm -hmm. Like what? Yeah, I don't know how this that virus is doing it, man. Like I don't think this virus is all that crazy. Like I think there's a lot of hype, right, media wise. But down down in the IC, we see some crazy cases, and yes, this is a deadly damn virus that is literally dismantling us, yeah. and we have no idea how. And this person is 30 years old. Like how, you know what I mean? Like this is a young woman and there's a lot we've of actually, young people. Yeah. We've actually been allowing uh, permissive hypoxemia, but we've been proning people like before they've been intubated. They're on nasal cannula, they're on a face mask and they're laying on your stomach basically. 
You you are right. I was talking to a perfusionist about this, and um, you know how there's the oxyhemoglobin curve, the shift to the left and right. You want their pH in this case to be a little bit lower because it, it it makes their body actually want to um, attach to more hemoglobin and like circulate something like that. Yeah, and it's a little bit better. Yeah, so if you're a little more basic, it's actually better because once you become so a thing with 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 acid, it's once you become more acidic and you start getting more acid in your body, the medication starts to work less. So I'm sure they would prefer you to be in a more basic environment than a sitting environment, you know, like with pressors, like, like if you, if you have a patient, on a lot of pressors and for some reason they're stable, but they're requiring more pressure support, do like an ABG for fun. I'm mean, I guarantee their pH is probably probably low. They're probably acidotic. That's why your pressures aren't, aren't working. That's why you keep going up on your pressors because you're fucking acidotic and maybe you need some bicarb, you know, and then you give them the bicarb and you're at like, like 50 of level, you give the bicarb push and you got to pause level because your pressure shoots up to like one eighties, man. Yeah. So what, what like I always do, if, if like, I'm not sure why this guy's needing more pressure support or more pressure support, like why am I keep going up on Levo? Why do I, and why am I putting on a Neo? Shit, let's just do an ABG for fun. If they're acidotic, you know, problem is not solved because now you got to figure out how to get this person more, more basic. Do we got to go up on their settings on, on their event? What's going on? But yeah, if they're need more pressure support, they're probably acidotic. Yeah. Good point, man. And also because you're, you have a lower pH, you usually have a higher CO2. What's what's going to happen with your veins? You're going to vasodilate. So not only is your pressure low because of not having proper binding capacity because of a low pH, right, for your pressures to work, you also have vasodilation from too much CO2, and it's like a double whammy sort of there. So it's all interesting talk, man. I really enjoy talking, dude. We fucking just I'm learning myself here as we're having this, these discussions. Yeah, it's cool, dude. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Me and Matt are officially affiliated with the Whoop app. So if you guys want $30 off, off Whoop, um, you, you could go on our link that we'll probably post up pretty soon. And you can join our team. Actually, me and Matt have a team. You know, if you guys want to see how we're doing workout-wise, how we're keeping recovery and strain going, if you guys join, sign up with Whoop, you guys are more than welcome to sign up to our, to our group. That'd be pretty cool, man. We all, we'll, we'll just all hold each other accountable or we just kind of do it in the Facebook group where we can just kind of see, hey, how you doing? And, you know, join us on the journey of improving your health. And guys, hold your hats. We're still gonna still working on Patreon. We're still working on live streaming. It's taking a little bit of time. I took some time off. Um, Matt's playing catch up over there. So, but everything will be up up within time. Everything will be up for the time. Yeah, this episode is being released on five nineteen. I'm hoping next week we have everything polished out, guys. Like it's 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 a lot, you know. I actually didn't mention it, but I just moved into a new place. As you guys are seeing me record here, and those that are listening, I'm in different part of LA. And it's crazy, you know, like we're trying to run and operate this and do as much for you guys. And also we have our own lives that kind of get in the way. And I think we're doing a great job. Yeah. As, as Trump would say, we're doing a great job. Honestly, these are the, t- the best two podcasters I've ever seen. All of Chicago, all of Illinois, all of United States, as he would say, you know. And, and he's and, heard a lot of podcasters. Yeah. And there's nothing like these two guys. <laughs> for sure. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Sign for the Whoop Band. Get their dollars off. Join our team. So deuces.